We're talking all things stats. Are you saying, Emma, that we could get to a point where the expected penalty is going to go there? Yes. The, the win probability for Spurs to win that game, the lowest point was 0.07%. It will going to take 5,000 games of the Premier League to be played for this win probability to happen again. The common fan will never, ever see that happening on the training pitch. No, for but sure. clearly, yeah. that's happening. These spreadsheets are just outrageous. Kevin De Bruyne hired a data analytics company to help them negotiate his contract. He got 30% increase because all about the data, about how impactful he is in that team. Article Red Bull Racing, they run 4 billion simulations. 4 billion for, for each race? For each race. 4 order. billion? Yeah. If there is a yellow flag, came in the last lap, they were going to pit Max Verstappen, put them in soft tyre in order to take over Lewis Hamilton. See what I mean? It's the f- There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Podcast, everybody, and we have got a belting episode for you today because we're talking all things stats. It's going to be a proper geeky episode, but we have got Amma from Oracle Cloud, and he is going to explain to us exactly what it is that Oracle do. So instead of me trying to beat around the bush and like hash the life out of it, go for it. Exactly what is it that Oracle do, Amma? Fantastic. Oracle is a technology company. It's been here for a number of decades, helping the Premier League, helping in a number of sports, to bring data and technology to help improve the way sports are being played and consumed. Massive in F1 at the minute, right? Yes, yes. Um, so you're working with Red Bull, obviously. Oracle Red Bull Racing, the number one FD, F1 team right now on the grid. Yeah, so if you're into F1, you've definitely seen their logo all over absolutely everything. They're doing massive things and they're hopefully in the future going to be improving the way that not only fans, but teams, players, individuals, the way that we consume the sport and the way that we can improve it and drive it to make it even better. The first stat I want to talk about today, Amir, right, is... XG. I've yes. got I've got a little bugbear for XG, okay, because I see it on screen and I think, how are you coming up with this? How on earth are you extrapolating <laughs> what's a word by the way? Extrapolating this data and turning this into what they should be scoring. So can you please just try and break it down just a little bit, just to simplify it for the folks at home for us? In the simplest way, it is a matrix that measuring the intent of a shot to result in a goal. Okay based on the position of the player toward the goal, how many defenders behind the goal yeah. in order to measure what is the likelihood for this shot to result in a goal. I'm sure it's definitely not as simple as that, right? How many more things are you taking into account? Are you taking the minute of the game? Are you talking the pressure, the data, Here everything? All yeah, that? everything that is about the historical data of the minute of the game the shots, the position, is he from the center, from the side, all that get into the deciding, the matrix of what is the XG of that shot to result on the net. And what about at the start of the game? So at the start of a game, it might say that there's the XG for today is three goals for West Ham, let's say. 
So how is that taken from previous games and all of those variables? Form, everything. Yeah, 100%. But equally as well, we measure the win probability for the teams as well. So it's not only by player per shot. It's equal as well for the team. We do measure the win probability for a certain team based on their home, home and away games wins in order to see in the beginning of the season what the win probability for a Man City for each and every game. Okay, I, I, I'm still not fully sure I'm on board with it because for, I think the, the reason why I sort of sometimes struggle with this XG, right, is I, I, I think sometimes it's the pressure part of it. It's that moment in the game, do you know what I mean, where stats and science for sure will have a massive part to play in football. They already do, everybody knows this. Um, and going forward, it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But having been in the sort of the heat of the battle, if you will, do you know what I mean, where... At that moment in time, if you can look into the white of somebody's eyes, you can see it and you just think, oh, you don't want this. I've had so many times where I've got a striker in front of me, I'm thinking, oh, you're going to shit yourself here. Like if I come out and punch you or something, you're going to be absolutely shit yourself. Isn't that the point in the, in, the, in the fact that I think the smart ones, the smart clubs, the smart players will take this and, and use it for what it is and they'll use it to supplement what they're doing, yeah, not, for sure. not take over. Because no one wants to run a football club based purely on stats, do they? It's... No, it's no, 100%. Of... And again, let's kind of make it clear. Data and insights is to give us as a fans and give the players what is the likelihood for a certain event to happen. But we know sports is unpredictable. Yeah, for sure. We know that yeah. at the end of the day, at the end of that shot is a human being who are shooting the ball and there is a goal, amazing goalkeeper in the goalkeeper try to save that ball. So there will going to be things that are unexpected. There will be, no matter what the stats tells you, sports is all about things that are unpredictable to happen. Yeah, emotions getting exactly. And it's looking yeah. at players as well. So we did a, you look at, obviously going off, this, not so much insights, but player stats, for example, where a player might, look a million dollars on paper but might not materialise on the on the pitch and it's the other way remember we did Joe Hart a couple of weeks ago and he said well, who's he talking about David Silver yep. yeah. and he said hasn't got a he's one footed he's, he's, he's weak. slow he's weak <laughs> and this is what Joe Hart said <laughs> yeah. didn't he yeah. and yet you put this guy on the football pitch Ben you played against him magician absolute magician yeah. and this is I think this is the part where like I fully agree with everything with stats because I'm actually quite a big stat I love all these sort of stats and we're going to talk about some of these stats that you've got in front of you at the minute because we're, to we're, we're looking at um, the what Oracle is starting to do is these milestone awards as well and You've got this spreadsheet in front of you. So we're going to take this one, for example, right yes. here, right now. It's Harry Kane, okay? And it's yes. a milestone, basically a spreadsheet of absolutely anything this guy has ever done on the pitch. So if Harry Kane has picked his nose on the pitch, yeah, there's a little list here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. But it is that detailed, isn't yes. it? It's ridiculous that it has got every tiny little thing that Harry Kane has ever done and you can see it there in front of you on a spreadsheet or a click down button and you can delve into the tiniest of details, can't you? Yeah, I mean, again, this is another great example in terms of how data are bringing fans closer to the game yeah. to start enjoying it slightly different. This is kind of as well, try to understand about the younger generation, what they'd expect from the game. Yeah. So Milestone Awards, it used to be somebody represented from Oracle, go and... Meet the player, which is we still do, give them a nice 
silverware or an award. If, if they've done something, basically. When they've done yeah. something. They, so the when milestone they've achieved award something, is yeah. based on number of goals, number of appearances yeah. within the Premier League. So Harry Kane and that innocent have achieved 200 goals and did 300 appearances. Yeah. Which is massive achievement, Oof. by the way, right? It's not bad. Massive achievement. He's the third right now. He's the second right now. So he's passed Rooney right now. Yes. And um, between him and uh, Alan Shearer, just a few goals. So surely he will gonna. Well, will, will, will come what, into that. What do you think? So, yes or no? Will he beat Shearer? Yeah. If he stayed in the Premier League, definitely he will gonna beat Shearer. You're gonna say that factually, aren't you? Yeah. You're, well, you've we'll, got we'll data talk about to this. back that up. So going back to your question, Ben. So yes, the dashboard is rather than just presenting an award. We start giving fans the opportunity to dive deeper into the data, to understand about, drill into how Harry Kane have achieved that massive and amazing milestone, incredible milestone. How many shots he had to do on goal in order to uh, uh, achieve 200 goals. How many passes he have done. Who's the player that did the most assists to him? Guess, which player? Oof. Uh, Sonny? Yes. And we talk, We did another dashboard for Sonny. Yeah. And we looked at who's the player that did the most assist to Son. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Love that. Here you go. Dream so team. you start getting to enjoy as well, just yeah, rather yeah. than just saying like, yeah, Harry Kane have achieved 200 goals. Well done. Yeah. But no, he got into the data. Which team he scored the most against? Which goalkeeper he scored the goal against? Ben? What the percentage? Who is the goalkeeper he scored most goals against? Let's have a look. Go on, scroll Let's down. Have a I want to see it scroll down in here. Yes. I think he scored a fair few past me, you know. I think he scored... Well, You think he scored? You've probably got it in front of you right there, right now. Seven. He scored Gaspar. seven goals past seven me. Seven goals against you. But oh. then that might... It depends when this was taken. Casper Schmeichel. Casper. Wow, yeah. yeah. Look at this. So this has got... Oh, wow. This has got absolutely everything. 14 so you, against Casper. That I mean, you got to remember Casper's played in the league forever, hasn't he? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But, and he scored against Leicester the most as well, and that's kind yeah. of another... Let, let me just read out. So let me just read out some of the actual sort of stats that you can access. And this is just one page of an absolute load of them as well. So total shots for Harry Kane, um, 1,132 time of writing, that is. Shots on target, 500. Shooting accuracy, 44%. Wow. This is this is his whole Premier League career, by the way, we're well, talking with, uh, with shooting accuracy, is that shooting accuracy on target or accuracy... Is that conversion? Like, is in is that the accuracy that's in the back of the net? No, no, no. That's oh, it includes them. Yeah. So if you yeah. if he hits the target, it's it counts as a shot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's quite simple. It is and simple you got as that. the head, the left foot, uh, the yeah. right foot as well. And so. then it goes into more detail. So of his one thousand one hundred thirty-two shots, you get to see exactly how many headers he's had. Yes. One hundred eighty-three headers. Forty-seven percent of his but headers it, go on target. But then it gives you further insights. So there's little subcategories on here. And one of it is called Coming Up Clutch. Kane has scored 13 of his, at the time, 13 of his 200 goals in the second half of added time. Oh, yeah. Like, that is, yeah, that's coming a up big clutch. game player. That is a big game player. Um, left footed shots, 231. 44% of them are on target with his left foot, by the way. Yes. Um, and then right foot, 734 shots, 44% again on target. So I'm building a picture up here straight away that if Harry Kane is getting a shot off, pretty much 50 50 whether he hits the target or not yeah. that is just ridiculous this is what we're talking about isn't it where you can really drill down and finite the details so much so and this is just a portion of it by the way we're going to keep going with more more stats and details and all that kind of stuff but these spreadsheets are just outrageous yeah and you got here the penalties as well and again you look at the penalties in terms of oh. where he scored the most of the penalties 
it's all were at the lower end. Yeah, the they goal. are. They are. The first time he shot in the top, where he missed. He missed. World but Cup. he scored oh. after that, and he scored like he he shot again in the middle and top, and he scored. In so the, what he needed, Emma, was you on the bench saying, exactly. "Harry, I know, go yeah, right? low." Would have been fun. <laughs> well, exactly that though. Like I think if you I, if you arm players with if if uh, I know for a fact right that if I when I was playing in the Premier League if I had these stats available to me that I could access at any time that are always updated in real time as well. So after each game, after before each game, I can have a look at all this kind of stuff. Not only for me but also of the opposition that I'm playing right. against. So we're playing Tottenham tomorrow, for example. I would be looking at Harry Kane. I'm looking at Hummin Son, and I'm looking at where they'll put their uh, most of the shots where are they going how many shots he has with his right foot left foot percentage wise is he good with his head where is he putting his penalties by the way like look at this here penalties scored by opponents Harry Kane he scored seven penalties against Arsenal three against Norwich two against Brighton two against Burnley two against Man United he's had 34 in total and scored 30 of them so as sad as it sounds if you're a goalie and you're facing Harry the Kane 88.2% of the time he's putting that penalty past you yeah absolutely and well I think you were at the time, it was what? When did you play in the cup final for Man United against Spurs? Oh, 2010. 2010. So this was 12 years ago. So it was quite big news at the time that you had an iPod in. An iPad. An, an iPad. iPad. No, an iPad it was, yeah. And it you had a... headphones. No, I didn't have headphones. I just had an iPad in front of me. So this is, so this is, I think, stats were already around. Stats have been around for a long time. They always will be around. And you see now, even nowadays, you see, you know, when it comes to a penalty shootout, Jordan Pitford's massive yes. for it, having the stats yes. on the on, on the water bottle. Yeah. Are they powered by Oracle as well? Well, not the bottle. No, 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 not the bottle. They will be yes. soon. They will yeah, be yeah, soon. Yeah, they exactly. will be soon. Soon we're gonna give like the the, the the goalkeeper an AI machine learning to predict when we're gonna be the next shoot. Because again, one of the things that you kind of look at Harry Kane's, it's all around the lower. And again, if you are a goalkeeper looking at this matrix, he's shooting in the right and the left. Yes, it's all on the lower end but it's in everywhere. So it's very hard to predict when we're going to be the next one. So hopefully technology can enable yeah, see, to predict. That's interesting because up to now, Ben, it's fair to say that when you face penalties, you'll go, you'll look at the last 10 penalties yeah. and you'll say, right, four have gone left and low, three have gone down the middle, etc., etc. Are you saying, Emma, that we could get to a point where the goalkeeping coach is furnished with some information that will say, Based on the past five years and in certain types of games, knockout games, we could be fed this information, this insight that will say the XG of the penalty, sorry, the expected penalty is going to go there. Yes. I think that there is a prediction of where this player will going to shoot, but I'm going to go back again. At the end of that game or the end of the ball, there is a human who may make a decision slightly differently. Yeah. So most of the goalkeeper were going to have the bottles seeing where the percentage of the player scored most of the goals, but they haven't done yet where to predict where the next shot will going to be. Just like an AI predictor it's almost. An AI, yeah. It's incredible, yeah. yeah. This is, so the Jordan Pitford, going back to the water bottle that Jordan Pitford had, it was when he saved James Madison's penalties a few weeks ago, and he had... 
attached to the bottle he had it sort of salitated over so we could still see through it but he had a few different penalty takers and then he had percentage wise where they're likely to go and James Madison's one was something like 47% or something in the centre of the goal that's why he stood up like that's not the done thing by the way goalies don't stand up for penalties you you prefer to just go one way and just hope that you go the right way yeah. if you stand up and he puts it in a corner it's almost like people go well you've got to die for it do you know what I mean it's like yeah but it's like it's like Amma said you've got a person <laughs> at the end it. of it who let, let's look at the game at the weekend so obviously this is going to go out a few weeks later but the Notts County Chesterfield playoff, playoff final, final right yeah. you go John Bostock to win the Season penalty shootout John Bostock's had a good career really good and then he penenkers it down the middle yeah hits yeah. the bar Ben what did what did, like did what do you make of that? Because at that point, you surely go play the percentage game and just hoof it. But this is where I'm sure even I'm sure even you'll be able to take into account the pressure of that situation, of that minute, of that game. So this is we're talking about a penalty in. If he scores that penalty, they win the playoff final. They're, they're, they're through. They're up to League Two, and he goes and penenkers it down the middle. This is the bit where, like you say, that. You've got to realise there's a human attached yeah. to that. Well, but then, but then, are we going to get to a point where you say, okay, let's look at the expected penalty, but then let's uh, add into this the stress score of that player? Oh yes. So it could be that that fatigue. It could be that I don't know. But all of this data thrown into an insight yeah, of a I stress. Mean, definitely. I mean, again, the human. Fa- I mean, again, that's not happening yet. Happening yet, right? Which is again, how much is the heart rate? The the the, the minute that he played. But I think that is something that we should Will expect come. to come in the future. We've talked about that, haven't we, Ben? We we talked about that for probably four or five years, yeah. haven't we? About that viewing experience. So I'd love to get to a point where we see James Madison against Pickford, and you see their perceived stress scores yeah. and their heart, heart rates rate on yeah. screen, because then you can start looking at big game players. Well, what's his heart rate saying in the ninety third minute? So this is you a hear question. The then. Breathing as well. Oh, this playing. is what we're talking right? about. This, <laughs> is, this is it. Exactly. Exactly that. I want to. So, how far away do you think are we from seeing this this exact kind of metrics on screen at that moment in time? Like, is that is that? Um, because I'm, I'm not sure whether if I'm playing in that moment, I'm not sure whether I want to share that with the world. Personally, I would, but I know there's going to be people who won't want to share it with the world. That is the key. So, again, we talked about an amazing experience the fans could have and enjoy and start seeing the game slightly different and being closer to the action like you are in the middle of the action itself as you're hearing the heartbeat and the the breathing of the player. But equally as well, you're tapping into a lot of data privacy, right? Are the player willing to share this data? And again, if, if that happened, there are other things as well, more than just and even beyond just enjoying the game. Because again, we talked before about the injury prevention. Yeah. How would you predict a player may get injured based on the age, the stress, the the pace of the game, but equally as well, the minutes he played. Mm. That is really important as well. But again, everyone needs to come together. Think about how could we make for the benefits of the overall game and for benefiting everyone and not thinking individually about the data privacy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's sorry quickly. It's, it's about sports. It's always evolving anyway. I think I do feel though sometimes that the Premier League is a little bit left behind. Sometimes you see it in other sports for fun, like cricket, the way that that's been revolutionised with with the way that data's on the screen and what you see, and like even golf, like. The, the stats in golf nowadays, I was watching the PGA Tour a couple of weeks ago and 
They have data for absolutely everything. I don't know if you watched it at Augusta, but you know the one, the par three, where they've got to hit it over the water onto yeah, yeah, the yeah. island green? They've got a metric on screen telling you exactly what the wind is doing. So at one place, the wind is kind of heading due north. When it gets over the green, because there's no more trees there, it's like a swirly wind. Yeah, and yeah. a microclimate. It's, it's a, it's a, it <laughs> literally was a microclimate over the green. And I think once when people can, if they can have that data before they hit their shot, that will give them so much more insight to know exactly what club to hit, where to aim for to start with. And I feel, I just feel football is. It's just kind of been set in its ways for a little bit. And don't get me wrong, it has started to catch up. It has, yeah. but it's got to, though, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there is a number of differences. Again, sport, specifically football, a really fast-paced game, yeah. right? Mm. Getting in stats and insights. in, a, in a, Again, the moment the game that pause yeah. is not a lot. What well, there wasn't kind of analysis lately about which team that kind of waste more time, which keeper yeah, takes more that, time. Yeah. You've seen that. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, as well. really interesting. But going back to that point, so it, there is a debate that we talk as well a lot with the Premier League and FDC and as well. And what are the stats that enhance the viewing experience yeah. that you play in the broadcast feed versus a stat that you show at halftime versus a stat that you give to the punditry after to under them to give yeah, yeah okay. do you know what that's really interesting like, like, we're talking about golf and football right so we shot a golf video not so long ago with Andy Sullivan yeah okay and everyone knows it but how much amateur golfers look into it so when you're 150 yards out and it's three degrees the ball won't go as far as when it's 15 degrees yeah right yeah fair that, yeah. you're taking a different club is it ever ever consideration is it ever talked about in football that a goal kick playing at altitude in warm weather, Jordan Pitford's going to lump it nearly to their penalty box. Whereas the wind in Burnley yeah. on a Tuesday night, when it's three degrees, that's going to impact how far the ball goes. And surely then the defensive line. This, and This so rarely gets spoken about. Yeah, it I does. mean, this is, I mean, again, it's not as close to this, but one of the things which is I know that we're going to touch on is the end of season award, which is the most powerful goal. This yes. is the first time that we start kind of rewarding and introducing with the Premier League to data-driven awards. Yeah. Normally, uh, the end of season awards are quite subjective. Who's the best player? Which, which, who makes it to the best team? And again, there was a big debate last season whether Salah or Sonny should be in there. And it's Fairly subjective. Yeah, for sure. But you talk about the most powerful goal, and let me explain what is the most powerful goal. The most powerful goal is measuring the average speed of the ball from the moment a player strikes the ball to the moment it passes the goal line yeah. without being deflected by any player apart from the goalkeeper. Straight shot, straight shot. From straight foot, shot. leaving foot to passing the and line. It's, that's and the average the speed. The average ah. speed by, yeah. Guess what was the average speed of the most powerful goal from oh, last gosh. season? Um, I, I know the answer. I, I know, I I know who it this. is. I know I who scored it at least. You, can you guess <laughs> you the, average the average speed? speed? I don't know the average yeah. speed. I'm going to go guess. for. I'm going to go it for was... 83 miles an hour. Oh, More. kilometers we're doing. Oh, oh 83. So that would be almost 117 kilometers an hour. Correct. Is yes. it? That's ridiculously yeah. fast. Yes. Yeah. And if you look at the one, like the, the this was the number one. If you look at number two, it was way 
like slower. Yeah, it was. There was a big significant difference. Here's, here's, here's a caveat though. So my, ch- not challenge, but um, when I was watching the goals, there was um, five goals from last season and it was KDB versus Leeds, 100.8 kilometres an hour. Tielemans versus Brentford, 101.7. Trent versus Newcastle, 103.1. James Ward-Prowse versus, um, don't know, there, 104.7, and up to Fernandinho, 117.6. However, Fernandinho was on the, just, I think it was on the, on the edge of the box. So if you've got James Ward-Prowse hitting a rocket from 30 yards, yards yeah. the, the velocity will slow down, surely. So... It does measure the average space. So it does, does, I mean, again, the distance, whether you are further away or closer to the 18-yard point, it's, it's, we, we kind of looked at that. It's not going to be a factor. It's just okay. like measuring the average speed of 117 was the fastest, most powerful shot. This season as well, which is, again, we will going to be looking at that. Still, we haven't got a shot that as powerful as this right. one. Right. Do you know who's number one at the minute? I know, but I cannot say. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot say. I'm not allowed to say. Uh, the other one, which is really, really cool as well. I love this one, which is about the most improbable comeback. Yeah, I love this one. This is a good one, to be fair. It's a really good one. So, so how, how is this measured, first of all? So basically, you all see right now, which is what we have done with the Premier League, Oracle and the Premier League, powering the match insights, introduced three match insights. One of them is the win probability. That is done in real time or near real time. Yeah. Measuring the win probability of a team to win, draw or lose a game. At that based, moment in at time. At that moment in time, based on what's happening. Yeah. Red card, penalty score, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. home away, a lot of other factors. So we looked at an award. We, look, we give a, an award to individual. We wanted to give an award to a team. Yeah. The award is about which team have beaten the Oracle AI machine learning model of the win probability to come from behind and win that. Beating the odds, basically. Exactly. (laughs) Because we know, again, going to the point that we spoke earlier, sports is unpredictable, and that's why we love it. So which team, and again, I'm going to ask you, you probably know the answer, but which from last season, I'm going to ask you a question slightly different. I don't know the answer to this one. Which team have won the most improbable comeback, and what was the win probability for this team to win which team which team have done the most have no. have won the most improbable oh. comeback last season there was a very famous game that I really can't answer that because I've got it written da- no I haven't got it written down but yeah. do you know the answer no I don't I can't remember no Leicester against Spurs 3-2 yes so 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 what was I this? see you not there <laughs> Jamie knows Jamie knows what yes. was so explain the game how it happened how it unfolded and then Try and explain the probability of that actually ever happening again. The probability for that again, because this is really cool again. I love this. I'm going to start with it. The probability for the, the win probability or the for Spurs to win that game, the lowest point was 0.07%. Zero point 0.07%. To put it in context, it will going to take 5,000 games of the Premier League to be played for this win probability to happen again. So one in 5,000 that was, yeah. That yes. was like Leicester winning the Premier League a few years ago. That's what <laughs> they were. They were yes. at the start of the season. It was yeah. 5,000 to yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it happens. That's the whole yeah, point exactly. of it. Exactly. It happens football, isn't it? So I read earlier on when you, you kindly sent some information through. So the game is similar. So, so for the rest of the game, let's say we're in like the 60th minute. The, the sim simulations around of like 100,000 different simulations. Outcomes, possible outcomes. outcomes. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh! So, so but explain the game then. So, what at what point was it five thousand to one? What was the I score think the, line? The, the score line was two 0 to Leicester. Yeah, and then Spurs have came back. I just want to remember at one minute. I think they started the comeback at the eighty-six minute. If oh I'm not. my gosh! And then they and scored then, two in injury time. Yeah, I think and it they was, scored yeah. two in the injury time. And again, you have to watch. I mean, so again, it's amazing. Is that where the bookmakers, for example, where they will base their odds from? Is that kind of data or that kind of insight? Should right. I say? So that's a good point. So what we do between the Premier League FDC, which is uh, managing the rights of the data for the leagues in England and Scotland, who are owning the data rights and they are distributing it to three different areas: the clubs, yeah. the broadcasters, which is what we talk about is the match insights, and the betting organisation. We don't get to involve in the betting, but they get some sort of data that help them come up with the insights and match insights or whatever that they do for that betting. I can site. imagine the betting companies are willing to pay a pretty penny penny for these sorts of stats, <laughs> aren't they, for sure. Yeah. So when you say they're 400 to 1 and you go, oh, that's worth a tenner, you go, no, it's not. No, it's, it's not 400 to 1 for yeah. a reason. We, we need to differentiate between data and actionable insights. All what we're focusing here is insights to help the fan enjoy the game the most. Yeah. And this is, again, going back to the point that you made about the golf, is the, 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 the challenge that we have is not the lack of data. It's what you make out of that data to uh. deliver an actionable insight to a coach, to a player, or to the fan who are enjoying the game as well to enhance their experience. Yeah. And we talked about, again, we are there is a discussion about what we were going to be introducing as well in the, with, with the Premier League next season about... What would going to be the inside that helped the team and sorry the fans to enjoy the game? We talked about the Man City versus which team that opened the the, the, the pitch much wider in the attacking versus the defense. Oh, can you bring this up? Can you bring this up? Right. This so you showed me this stat this morning, uh, and it's like it's it's basically a bit of a spreadsheet, and it will tell you. So this is for last season's Premier League, by the way. Twenty one, twenty two, twenty one, yes. twenty two, and it's it's basically an average team width. Yeah, this so is how is, wide they, how wide they are. And defend. So, so they've got in possession and an out of possession as well. So in possession, oh, this is so good. This is this is the sort of insight that clubs, honestly, clubs will just pay so much money for all of this kind of insights because if you know, so let's take it for example, Watford FC last season. Watford FC are about twelfth or thirteenth in this list here. So. With the ball in possession, Watford's average width was 28.6 metres across the pitch, yeah? Which tells me that they're kind of middle of the road, you know, they're not too far out wide, they're not too tucked in, that's where the players are. But if you take, for for example, a Brentford then, okay? Brentford are bottom of the list yes. in this. So they they have the, they basically have the skinniest team width. Yeah, like yeah. a narrow. The, yeah. As narrow as it could be in the Premier League, really. 21.3 metres in possession, which tells you straight away, which tells you that they go straight through the middle of the pitch. And that's their playing style. So if you were their coach, Ben, and, and you played with wide players, you might say, get the ball wide, you'll have an opportunity to cross the ball. Exactly that. You're playing against Brentford, and I'm a manager of Arsenal, West Ham, doesn't matter who it is. You look at this and you go, well, they're a really narrow team. Lads, yes. lads, have a look at this. Brentford, they're bottom of the list, all right? Really narrow team. Wingers stay out wide, yeah? You'll have plenty of space, plenty of time, get balls into the box. That's how we're going to play today, okay? Yeah. Conversely, on the, other, on the other side of it, top of the list, 
the 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 widest team, and you might probably expect this, but it's Man City. Man City have the widest width of all the Premier League teams for last season. And then, again, you start switching it and looking at out of possession. So this is, again, how you know, sort of... So that's that's in, in possession. Out of possession, completely different. Out of possession, um, average team width. Leicester are the skinniest out of possession. So where are Man City, though? So sorry, Ben. So so you say Man City play the widest, so yeah. they use the kind of touch lines. Yeah. In possession. Where are they out of possession? Out of possession, they are second in the list. So, so, so this is really fascinating because yeah. people always say, so this is clearly a, a coaching philosophy from Pep, yeah. right? And people always say when a player comes in, it takes them time to adjust to give him a season of how Pep wants them to play. Yeah. So he's almost retraining a Jack Grealish yeah. to go, right, when you're in possession... Get wide, get yeah. out. Yeah. And when you're when you're basically defending, when you're outside, of, we, we come in tight. To coach Jack Grealish, yes. on, that is something that the, the common fan will never, ever see that happening on the training pitch. No, for but sure. clearly, yeah. that's happening. That yeah. speak for them. That's incredible bit of... So with the ball... They are the widest team. But then without the ball, as soon they as they the lose it, team. they took back. I, I, exactly. Oh. And again, one of the stats as well that we introduced as well is the average possession of the, the team formation, basically, when they are in possession and when they are not in possession. Yeah. It was very interesting as well last season before getting Haaland as a number, clear number nine. How would they formate? How were they positioned yeah, true, when yeah. they have the ball and when they don't have the ball? And again, you look at how those teams are set up, it gives you a really big understanding about what the coach wants them to yeah, do as sure. well. So this is kind of the type of, again, going into, again, to the point is that actionable insight to help the people enjoy and the fan enjoy the game more. Rather than, which is, again, this is a, the changing in behavior we start seeing in the football. And a lot of the football clubs, I used to work for Spurs before joining Oracle. Yeah. And one of the things that, again, all the clubs... All the leagues are looking at is the aging fan base. Uh -huh. Football need to evolve, need to develop in order to be able to communicate with a new generation. Data is one of those elements to help communicate and engage those your younger audience. Do you know what? Let's look at a, let's look at a, a case study, Amma, that's quite close to home. So Ben signs for Wrexham. Football decision, yeah? Football yeah. decision first and foremost. But the ownership model is is really progressive. And then they look at Ben and say, yeah, first and foremost, he's a footballer. And then look at the YouTube channel and look at the demographic and look at where we want to take the club. So all of a sudden you start building a picture and, and, and you look at it and go, let's get young fans into football. And it's Wrexham. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. But th I agree with what you said. Like, all the kids are on their phone. Yeah. yeah. Kids' attention span is brutal. It yeah. is, Emma. It's absolutely yeah. brutal. Like, even now there's conversations going around about maybe we should change the, the length of a game or try and chop it up a little bit more because kids can't watch 45 minutes. My son's 13 years old, Alan, yeah, right? Same. And he will watch the first 10, 15 minutes of a game and then he'll get his phone out and then he'll get bored and he'll, half time, he'll disappear to go upstairs or whatever and he'll come back down 20 minutes into the second half and it's because the game is too long for him. It genuinely is. Their let attention span is brutal. Let me just kind of put a little bit of kind of, it's another spin into that, right? Is it because as a team the game is too long or is it because the game is not able to engage with them that long time of period? Yeah, love that. Yeah. Because yeah. if you look at, I got kids as well. Yeah. I got a little bit younger, five and seven, but they could have spent ages watching somebody else playing video games. Yeah, sure. 
Mine does right? the same. More than 90 minutes. Yeah, for right? sure, yeah. So then it's not about the game is too long. It's about how the game is structured in order to engage those younger fans. And yeah. again, we talked about one element here, which is a match inside, but there is a lot. What you've done, having the uh, GoPro camera yeah, here, yeah. this is, again, we talked earlier as well about hearing the heart bass, the breathing oh, of I the... I love that. I love those that Those are the before. things that the makes breath. the football evolve using data and technology in order to engage those younger fans. Yeah, I think what you what you mean by that is, so the, uh, basically how you can engage the, the your kids more is when they're watching that football match, what data are you putting up on the screen? What are you talking about? Is there, can you draw them in by saying, oh, have a look at this, this, that? It's, it's about finding a sweet spot of stats that appeals to absolutely but, everyone. Fuzzy, you tell me, right? I don't know if Louis the same as my lad George. They're the same age, right? He is the same as Lou. He doesn't want to watch all the games, but he is absolutely on live score, Sky Sports, all the time. Yeah. And he's looking at data, data. and insights. Data. And, and these are young kids, yes. right? But yeah, how do you then tra- get, put convert that into the actual match, the 90-minute match, to engage these yeah, kids? to get them on board. Second screen experience. Again, in the stadium. Oh, here we go, Hammer. Here How, we go. What's your, when you go to the stadium experience right now, I mean, again, yeah, it's all good hearing and feeling the buzz, but no, I mean, again, you need to, you don't see their plays in some of these stadiums. You don't know what's happening with the match. So all the time, you need to second screen experience. It's been introduced in the World Cup. Yeah. A little bit, kind of start to see kind of the augmented reality for the game, giving you kind of the speed and giving you some stats. This is what we're going to see more in order to engage those younger generations. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at look at what VAR has done to the game, right? It's a, it's a big talking point. Yeah. But you might have four minutes of downtime within a game, okay, where a decision is yeah. being made. That second or third screen experience where that, those fans physically live in the stadium are restless, let's have some insights on the screen. Oh, let's have sure. something there. VAR, talk to me about VAR quickly. I didn't want to talk to me about oh. VAR, but tell me, give me, give me your kind of, uh, uh, what your thoughts are on VAR. The interesting part, part of what we do with the Premier League is that we go and visit the PLP and the VR experience. The most interesting part of that is that we sometimes take Oracle customers to see that experience. And uh, the, there is kind of a replica of the VR. They show us some of the clips of some of the previous decisions. And if you've got 10 people in the room, in some of the decisions, you will going to find not all of them agree really? about. It's really difficult. It's, it's never hard. black and white. It's never, it's ever never black, black and, white. and white. And even like some of them, and again, they start kind of in the, we just want to show how the VR experience looks like and then show you like kind of the simple one and the most obvious one, but they go a little bit kind of more difficult decisions and it's got harder and harder. But equally again, we start seeing some use of the VR technology with the offside line, again, introducing the uh, semi-automated uh, via, well, goal line technology in the World Cup. So we start seeing as well, how could we enhance the way that refereeing using data and technology? Yeah, I think that would be, we need we need it to be served to us better, VAR, for me personally. I want to see it. I want to see the conversations that are going on behind the screen. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Them, them in Stockley Park or wherever they are. I want to see that and hear that conversation as to why they came to that decision. Even referees coming out after game. There was a guy in France last week. There's a referee came out in France last week where he came and he, I think he was the linesman maybe, but he explained his decision as to why they came to a, a, a an actual verdict of, well, I thought it hit his arm and this is why we did this. That, that's what I want to say. Well, we've say. had that in rugby for years. For years. Even, yeah. even just the referee saying, I, I, I 
penalise you because of X, Y, Z, and and so on and so forth. So yeah, that would be oh, that would phenomenal, be next level, wouldn't, it? wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. I want to talk a little bit about F one. Okay, right. There's there's so many more stats on here, by the yes. way. That are, are, we, yes. we we might have to do a part two. Genuinely, we might sure. have to do a part two because some of the stats and I think Oracle they're 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 kind of they're in football already, but they are going to become monsters in football. They are going to be they're going to be the guys giving everybody stats and everyone going, wow, I could just read this kind of stuff all day long. Yeah, and before we jump into that, just one last thing that I just want to make. So that data and insights is we talked about it in terms of the fan experience. We talked about it in terms of performance. One of the examples that I really like, and I know that you have uh, had a host uh, guest here as well as an agent. Yeah. For example, Kevin De Bruyne hired a data analytics company to help them negotiate his contract. He got 30% increase because all about the data, about how impactful he is in that team. Did you reckon that stats company approached him or do you think he is so far ahead that he's... Uh, approach how like how would that work i, I mean again I, I don't know generally about whether he approached them or the, he, they they approach him but i think this is kind of what we start seeing in the negotiation of the contract is one element we talked about the fans we talked about the managers uh, every single element of football is going to be transformed from data and so 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 then for example so not only can clubs use this information and collate all this data on any given player that they want, they can compare and contrast by all these different spreadsheets, but you could have you could have then an agent, yeah? You could have an agent with a list of players, right? And he could be approaching clubs and saying, I've looked at your club, mm-hmm. I've looked at your stats and your data. I have a player who is tailor made for your team. Yes. You could you could get we could get to that point, can't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean for sure this will gonna be I mean again, more coaches are right now are I and mean, again all the club I mean again the clubs are doing a, a, a lot of those yeah, things. Sure, we yeah. are, we don't get closer to what the clubs are doing. But a lot of them, yes, we're gonna come into looking at the data, what do I need, what for my team in order to improve performance. Yeah. So this is kind of the the sort of the money ball sort of scenario. Yeah, you talked about about like reverse engineering it in where uh, an agent might push a a player, but then obviously from a club point of view. A club perspective, the way, um, so so, teams like Brighton, you know, Brentford are famous for it. It's, It's kind of, yeah, for sure, you've got to find out about players and you've got to find out about their temperament, what they're like as human beings, but... A lot of the work that these clubs have been doing is is trying to basically drill down on a spreadsheet for exactly what fits their system. And this, well, it's proven. It's proven. It's working. In the Premier League today, it's working. That's got to be the future then. Yes. And can I add one element into that? You start looking at the younger kids and younger generation. There is a company that I know that is working with measuring the shot accuracy of kids. So then you're looking at 9, 8, 11, 12, and you start looking at which players that start showing same characteristics of some of the biggest or the most important players. <laughs> so you, not only for the kind of transfer, but from kind of even like the development of the players. And we start seeing that more and more. Because again, we know, like, and again, I'm sure you know this, is kind of player mature at certain ages. Yeah, sure. All of them are yeah, different. Sure, some yeah. of them are going to mature at, at, at age of seven, some of them at nine, and some even like kind of will peak at kind of at, at, a, at, a, at an older age. How would you be able to identify that? You will only be able to identify that if you got a lot of the data. Yeah. Got a lot of data about all like, like the average age, like the lot of seven years old, a lot of eight years old, and you start seeing who are trending and who uh, are even yeah. kind of 
the performance are outstanding so and you, incredible. You, you're talking at a granular level near for academy recruitment almost. Exactly. And then promotion from the academy to the reserves or the first yes. team. But also, Ben, to, to your point about recruitment, so so you look at a club and let's say Man City, it could be the width, it could be possession play-based. And this is where the coaching team now, I guess the best ones, will give it to the scouting staff and yeah. say, this is exactly what we're looking for. But this the, is the type of player we are looking for because there's we do the football filling, right? Yeah. And there's accusations over the past, like Man United in the past two or three years, of they just buy players. Yeah. Whereas Brighton buy players to, fit to do this particular well, job. This is where I think money in football now has gotten to a point where... You, you, Teams are either using it to their advantage or they're not. So you have teams, and I've played for teams, that don't let the manager really have any say on what kind of player they're buying. Yeah, The manager might come in with a certain style, a certain formation, but overall, he doesn't really have too much say in anything. The clubs that are doing it properly, like your Brightons, for example, everybody all along the... like Whether you're talking chief exec, owner, manager, coaches, everybody scouts... They're on the same page. Everybody yes. knows exactly what they're looking for. So like you say, for example, Brighton might need a winger. They might need a right winger, for example. And it's like, right, yeah, cool. Bring me a list of right wingers that can do this, 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 because that's what I want for my team. And then we'll all make a joint decision. On well, it. look that's at Zerbi. He knows that if he's going to be given a list of right wingers, yeah. he knows that one's not going to be this style. Yeah. They're going to... So he'll almost get a shortlist and go, all of them will work because... They've been recruited yeah, for it to down. work. They're exactly that. They. It's like you know. You, I don't know if you've ever played Championship Manager before, Emma. It's, yeah. it's basically if you're doing like a, a player search, you'll you'll go on the filter, won't you? Yes. You go on the filter and you'll go age, and you know, and then you'll go wage, and then you'll go position, and then all pace, or and then you're left with two or three or four mm. basically possible candidates. Yes. But then you've got all the stats of it, and then that's where somebody eventually somebody's going to have to pull the trigger and go, yeah, cool. But the way the Brighton have been doing it, it's normally a two million pound player for some Mexican league or something and they'll unearth this gem and he's good to go because it, we, the film Moneyball with um, with Brad Pitt yeah. it was fascinating yeah. and I think this is slowly coming into football but I think that those that do it smart don't try and completely revolutionise no, the way it's sure. done because yeah. we were saying about David Silver earlier on you can't put a stat or an insight at all yeah, in my sure. opinion Ame you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here on someone dummying Someone stepping over. Can you someone, do stats on someone this? Just uh, the someone just moving the shape of their body. Well, I mean, again, I'm not going to say about the stats, but I mean, again, looking at Haaland right now, right? Haaland is going to be breaking all the records. Yeah. How would you compare him to Messi and Ronaldo? Yeah. Messi and Ronaldo were the natural talents. And again, this is moving from a, a talent-based performance to data-driven performance on sports as well. Haaland is breaking all the records. He's maybe not the playing not the most slick and kind of Yeah, for sure, yeah. Like Ronaldo with the step over and the stuff. But again, if you compare him with Ronaldo and Messi, he was probably gonna break a lot of records. Yeah, for sure. He just puts the ball in the back of the net. It's like, but somebody might just want somebody that puts the ball in the back of the net. Well we Imagine that. Well remember when we did our top ten strikers thing? Yeah. And we were like, Andy Cole didn't make it in, but Dennis Bergkamp did. And people are going, but Andy Cole scored 150 yeah, more yeah. goals yeah, 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 and we're yeah. going yeah but that's what we're, not what we're looking for or 
I just, I just think, I, I, you know what? I love it. I love all I these stats. I was listening to that episode that when you guys were doing the Hall of Fame kind yeah, of, I was just yeah. like, I want to be there. I want to give you some mad, like insights and dashboards. Right. You should so have been here. Come, come to our end of season. <laughs> so when we do our team of the season for the fill-in, so you, Mark, and maybe Watto, yeah. right? If we could have some insight yes. from Oracle yes. that we could kind of, so, so actually then when Mark is saying to Ben or Ben saying to Watto, I think this, it's not just a feeling or yeah. a stat on oh, a page. Yeah. It's, an, it yeah, it's yeah, an insight. Yeah. You can just yeah. sit there and go, nope, you're wrong. I'm yeah. lucky. Define your <laughs> nope, KPI. Wrong. Again, all the way you need to define the KPIs of what makes the best player or the player that makes a Hall of Fame. And then you just kind of seeing which one fits that criteria. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, can we talk about this F1 then? F1, yes, uh, for I know sure. you've got an incredible F1, story. The, yeah, I mean, again, F1 is the most data driven and technologically advanced sports of anything is of it anything. i mean again it's arguably again our work was as well with f1 and sales gp they both kind of really data driven uh sports yeah. f1 and sailing uh but let's talk a, lot, a little bit about f1 here from the moment that they start thinking about designing those cars where they go to 23 23 races around the world each track are different characteristics and each one of them have different type of uh, requirements in terms of the aerodynamics. So all this in terms of designing the car, making the car go faster, is all data driven and technologically based kind of uh, approach yeah. in terms of how we work with Oracle Rebel Racing. What we work with them on is a race strategy. And one of the elements of the race strategy and the key element, again, races are won, won or lost based on race strategy. If you are an F1 fan, you would remember a number of those races yeah, sure. uh, where one or lost based on a, a good call of a race strategy or a bad call. So what we do with them, and again, this is all the F1 teams, what they do is that they try to identify when is the best moment to pit the car to change the tire and what type of tire in order to gain competitive advantage to the other teams. So what we do and what the F1 teams do, they run simulation similar to the simulation that we talked about in football, but they run the simulation of what potential incident that could happen in the race in order to come with the best race strategy. you got different data points that weather, where you are in the grid, what are the type of tile that you have, yeah, yeah, yeah. and each one of them will give you a certain performance. So Oracle Red Bull Racing, they run the race strategy on Oracle Cloud, OCI, they run 4 billion simulations for the race. 4 billion for, for each race. For each race. For 4 race. billion. Yeah. Wow. And they had driven 25% improvement using Oracle Cloud in order to drive that race strategy. That's 25% improvement in results or 25% improvement like... on the race strategy simulation. Right. Yes. So that makes them being able to run even those simulations sometimes during the race. They, done, they, run, they run the race simulation before the race based on a lot of things that they know already about which strategy that they want to have for that specific race. But equally as well, we know that there is yellow flags, red flags, things that happen during the race. They would have known what to do when that things happen. But equally as well, sometimes they do run those race strategy simulation during the race in order to help them come with the most accurate decision in order to win races. That's it. That's incredible because let's compare this to football again because there's four billion different kind of scenarios there. So when something happens to Red Bull during a race, they know if something happens, we do this. Yeah. If, yeah. if that happens, we do that. Look at it on a football pitch. You even see this today. 
in, in football where the penalty takers off the pitch, they don't know who the next person is. They'll yeah. argue yeah. about it. Off it. And you think to yourself, like you watch it and you, yes. like every fan at home, I guarantee <laughs> every fan will watch this and go, why the fuck don't they know yeah. who the Who's number two penalty, the penalty taker is? It's what true. is that lack of preparation? Yeah, it's lack of preparation, yeah. yeah. Even you have sometimes where there's both players want to take the penalty yeah. and they're ripping it out of each of his hands. But then you could boil this down to substitutions. You could boil this down to absolutely anything. If you're if you've got the raw data in front of you where you can say, right, that player's ran 13 kilometers already today. He is absolutely knackered. Yeah, his heart rate has been in the red for an hour of this an hour and a half game or whatever. But when you yeah? throw that data into an insight, Ben, though, and say, yeah, but James James Milner that's not unnormal for him. Oh, for sure. Well, right. oh, yeah, you've got a stress score to str- to mark yeah. it against. Yeah. That's the whole point of it is you know that player's average is normal or what he's capable of. And like, has he done, did he have a hard training session yesterday, the day before, the day before? Did he play the week before? Did he not come off in that game either? At this point, this is where you can start to go, right, he's in the red zone here. We need to bring yeah. him off because that happens in training as well, Emma. Yeah. I see it already in training where there'll be, everybody's got their, their vest on and there'll be players getting pulled off the training pitch because the the guy who's doing all the stats has gone, you've already ran your four and a half kilometres that you were supposed to run today. That's you done for the day. If you do any more, you, you're at chance and risk of pulling in, pulling a hamstring or whatever it could be. Um, so yeah, for sure, football, but, that's where football will improve, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but, but they also, the, the, the smart clubs do also do something a little bit more basic. So there's the numbers, but I remember you telling me before, you'll go into a club in the morning and it's just something so, check, so simple as, how do you feel to? How yeah, do you feel sure. today? Yeah, 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 yeah. good. How yeah. do you sleep last night? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. But that also is the basis for it as well. Yeah. Stop going off tangents, all right. Stop going tangents. So, love tangents. Bring it. Take it back to this F one story, right? So this scenario that we're talking about in particular here is last year's F one. Um, it came. Was it the final race? I think it might have been the final yeah. race. Lewis Hamilton, mm. Max Verstappen. Yes. This is just next level. So this is exactly how this played out, right? Yeah, I mean, again, exactly. So a lot of people talk about the controversy about the decision that has been made on that race. And again, I'm not going to go in there because it's not my area of expertise. But again, Oracle Red Bull Racing have run their simulation and they knew if there is a yellow flag came in the last lap, what they were going to do. They were going to pit Max Verstappen, put them in software in order to take over Lewis Hamilton. See what I mean? And that is about the race simulation and about data, about everyone, again, for sure, about that race talked about the controversial with that decision, whether they agree with it or not, don't disagree with it. But the, in the back of that decision as well, there was data-driven insights that helps Oracle Red Bull Racing to win the championship. Oh, in that pressurised moment. In that pressurised moment. We're talking moment. about the culmination of that entire F1 season. exactly, And right there and then, you've got Mercedes guys looking at each other going, um, what do we yeah. do? What do we do? Whereas Red Bull, at that moment in time, like I say, they know. They already yeah. know. But the simulation has been run. Imagine though, Fozzy, if, if you're in that team there, and like afterwards, you go the, at this point, how important's the driver? Oh, for sure. Because, yeah. yeah, they are but, important. But, 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 but the backroom staff, you're you're probably going. These guys are probably afterwards having a little pat on the back, going, "We done good today." Yeah, we done yeah. good today. So, yeah. Well, again, talking about the driver. So I did. I did. I do get to meet with Max Verstappen. One of the questions that I did ask him, and again, for those who doesn't know, Max Verstappen's father used to be a racer. Yeah. So I did ask him. Jos Verstappen, isn't it? Yeah. What was the difference? Yeah, well done. <laughs> what was the difference between your father's day and today in the F1? And he said, in my father's day, it was only about the driver and the car. Today, it's about the driver, the car, 
the race strategy and the data and the technology. So there is other elements yeah. getting into driving that performance that we see. And again, that's not only for F1. That's in all sports. I can say even it's not only in all sports. It's in every industry. Yeah. Mm. But I've got to say, though, I think the beauty of what stats and data has done for F1 is they've revitalized the sport. They genuinely have. Yeah. They? Because don't you, I, I'm probably like everybody here, when you used about four or five channels back in the day, you would watch F1. And you it would, was yeah. incredible on a yeah, Sunday yeah. morning. It went through a lull like you would not believe. Yeah, and now... I can't wait to watch on a Sunday morning. My daughter yeah. loves watching. We'll watch on a Sunday. And it is absolutely incredible. And it's because of everything else that they've implemented into that sports now. It's not just the same old, same old. It's about looking at all the data. And don't get me wrong, Ride, uh, Ride to Survival, you know, it's, it's, it's massively improved it. But what they've done with stats has definitely elevated all And of you it. probably remember last season, race strategy was in the heart of everything that was happening. Yes. Without mentioning teams, because I'm not allowed to, but there were teams who were saying, Pit, not pit. What do I do? And yeah, yeah, yeah. some other driver were not happy with what's happening. Luckily enough, was Oracle Red Bull Racing. They have a really good confidence about the race strategy and they did not have this type of situation. Yeah. One thing that I just want to mention as well, as we talked about F1, F1, all the teams run their data, come up with actionable insights. Football, we've seen the example. I want to bring a third one, which is Sail GP. Sailing, all the teams have access to the data that every team sees. Yeah. Everyone's on the same page. Then. Everyone on the same yeah, page. Yeah. Because like in F1, as I mentioned, Oracle Rebel Racing will run their race strategy, they run their simulation. They got their own insights. In, with SailGP, they got an open data model where every team see the winning team, what data that they had access for and how they made the decision in order to come up with the winning strategy. Oh, we need yeah. that in football, don't we? So this is, this is what that. you're saying. Everybody's on a level playing field. Everybody's got exactly. access. It's, how, it's whoever, basically, I'm going to say it again, extrapolates the data better than the rest. That's what it comes down to. Yes, you're leveling up, exactly as you yeah. said, Ben. It's leveling up the field to keep it to the athletes, to keep it to the humans yeah. that make those decisions based on what they see. Oh, I love this. Phenomenal. Amma, you're the man. Um, we're going we're gonna to have to get you back, seriously, because I think we need, we need to do an episode and, and sort of really delve into more details because I know come the end of the season you'll have so many more stats for me as well. I hope so. I hope that you don't get bored in terms of getting into some of those no, data. No, no, I'll, I'll, tell you what we can do. I'll tell you what we can do, Ben, is we'll turn up for team of the season. Yeah. Yeah, you do it. Don't tell Mark. Don't tell <laughs> Watto. And you just turn up and go, yeah, that statistically this, i have that. already got <laughs> yeah. the best yes. team you're wrong i'll do it on my own thanks that's yes. all i need to do yeah no brilliant Emma, thank you so much for coming in uh oracle brilliant. you are smashing it and we can't wait for even more of this stats and data ben and tom thank you very much for thank having you. me here i really enjoyed it as well and let's look for the next one absolutely up the Foscast. Up the Foscast. do it Emma. do it do up it the Foscast. do it up the Thanks everybody for watching. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Foscast. Don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify. Up the Foscast. <laughs>